Women Make Waves is an NC Fit podcast. What's up, listeners? Welcome back to another episode of the Women Make Waves podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay, and today Bloom and I are sitting down with E.C. Sinkowski. Now, something I absolutely love about EC is the fact that she can take extremely complex ideas, know the science, know the research behind them, and boil them down to really simple, simple terms for us to understand. This is especially helpful in her field of nutrition because who out there hasn't tried every diet under the sun, every new biohack, and every fad diet that comes out? We talk all about the psychology of nutrition, what it was like to build a business and telling hard truths to ourselves and to our clients. I'm super excited for you guys to hear this one about EC. She is one of our good friends over at NC fit and was actually a guest speaker over at the NC fit collective summit. If you haven't checked out the NC fit collective, be sure to do so. We've got coaching development tools, programming, and anything you need to help make your gym a successful one. Also, if you're not training at a collective gym or a business owner, be sure to check out the NC Fit app. It has five different workouts every day of the week. It's like a personal trainer in your pocket. And fun fact, both Bloom and I are trainers on the app. So if you don't get enough of us week to week on the Women Make Waves show, be sure to grab the NC Fit app and train with us there. Until next week, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another Women Make Waves podcast. I am your host, Bloom. I'm here with Linz and E.C. Sinkowski. She's creator and founder of the 800 Gram Challenge. She's host of the Consistency Project podcast, and she is one of my go-to sources for nutrition information since even before I started coaching nutrition. So I'm super stoked to have you on the show today. Um, so thank you for sitting down with us. And we like to kick it off with the very question, how are you making waves? Well, thank you so much for having me on. It's good to see you again. Uh, thrilled to be here with you guys. Yeah. How am I making waves? Um, you know, I actually think I'm, I'm making waves by making less waves. I think my nutrition message is, is pretty much back to basics. And I'm, what I'm trying to do is to make the sea less stormy, if you will, <laughs> for people and bring some consistency and some just real kind of calming, I hope, effect about how to approach nutrition and how to do it in both a sustainable and effective way. I love that. And I love your tagline is nutrition with a reality check. And Mm. I think that's so perfect because I, I agree. It can be such murky waters and such turbulent seas to kind of navigate through because of all of this noise and all of these different, um, like the best way to do things. And it can get really confusing. And I think that's a really big pain point for a lot of people, a lot of our listeners, just a lot of people in general is, you know, how do we navigate this super stormy sea of all of this information that probably doesn't apply to 95% of us? Yeah. Yeah. And I really try to help people just always bring the conversation back to what are you eating? Um, I always say it as like, what did you have for breakfast? And of course, you're not going to literally start a conversation that way. You're not going to accost somebody as soon as you meet them. Like, what did you have for breakfast? But, you know, I think there's all of this talk about the science and believe me, I love the science. I have a stack of papers right here. I'm looking at, it's great. It's interesting. It's complicated, all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, we make the changes by making different food changes. And so I think that's where we also get a little bit lost in the nutrition space is there's so much information about the science 
when it's not really clear that that's helping anybody make better choices when they actually go to make a breakfast or lunch, et cetera. Mm, I think I can totally get the analysis paralysis where I'm like, well, this says to do this, or I talk about it a ton in like the biohacking world, right? Mm -hmm. Like I need to go get the positive ions in my feet and my bulletproof coffee and the sunshine. And it's like so overwhelming. Um, And so talking about starting to create consistent habits, Bloom and I always talk about starting really, really small, smaller than small, and then smaller than that. Um, Mm -hmm. Other than asking your clients or the people that you're working with, what do you have for breakfast? Where do you start? Like, what is the kind of like foundational framework when meeting with someone who wants to start making better nutritional choices? Yeah, I I technically don't ever start with what did you have for breakfast often because or even a food log. And I know that is an often common first step and I have done it before over the years, but to be honest, I I find that nutrition has so many hooks in terms of psychology that when you start asking about what are they eating specifically, I think it puts them on the defensive more than, more than I'd like them to be. So, you know, to stay on brand here a little bit, uh, I do recommend the 800 gram challenge to start, which is adding 800 grams by weight of fruits and veggies to their diet. And it allows them to pick which fruits and veggies they want. And of course we can scale it, right? If their diet is so far removed from that and and they get nowhere close, great. Let's start with 400 grams, see how you go. You like strawberries, great. Let's do it. You like apples, let's do it. Gives them some autonomy, gives them flexibility. And I don't really have to know about their vices at this point, you know? And uh, that's really where I start. And I I hate to say that I I start with everybody in the same way. Um, It's not exactly the same way because of all the flexibility and scalability, But at at the other end of the spectrum, it's like, okay, what are we not going to do? Eat fruits and vegetables. (laughs) Like we have to all kind of get there at some point. So yeah. So we're going to start with it in kind of a scalable way. It's so funny that you say that because, um, it seems when you're explaining it to be so simple, right? Mm -hmm. Like we could all start with that. Mm -hmm. And I find the same thing when I work with clients, I don't know if you have the same experience, but, um, you are kind of just like, Hey, this is what we're going to work on first. And they're like, wait, that's it. Like, that's all we're going to do. And it's so fun. I think at least because I get to be like, yeah, you're not going to like ruin your entire day. You're not going to ruin your entire week. Like we're literally just doing this one small thing and it will make the biggest change Mm -hmm. for your clients. What do you think is, um, like that small, the smallest change that you see them make that makes that biggest return. Mm. You know, John Berardi, this is where I originally learned some of the stuff of precision nutrition uh, or former, I guess he's, he's done with it now, but you know, he, he was big on the psychology, or at least that's when I really started thinking about it more. And I think one of his first steps, at least at some point was like a multivitamin a day. Right. And then also add a glass of water a day. And I, I love that from the habit perspective, But you also have to fight this tension of what's enough of a change that the person has to stretch a little bit and actually will see results a little bit more quickly. There is always a balance there. People want results faster than than you can always bring them. And so I do. I do start with the 800 gram challenge. And unless it's very clear to me that the person um, really can't do it or is nowhere near them. I just start with 800 grams because to me, that's a good balance between what I kind of call the pressure and the dose, the pressure being it's a big enough change and a dose like that will make an effect overall in their diet. But it's, it's, again, they still can have their wine, dark chocolate, whatever, such that it's not so drastic. They can't hang. So I generally do end up there. Um, 
I will also say most of my clients come from uh, the functional fitness space where they probably have been playing around with some of these ideas already. So I don't necessarily always start from uh, clients who have never kind of put their toe in the, the whole food space, in which case I think there would be some more scaling there for sure. I keep hearing you say the psychology of nutrition. Mm-hmm. And as listeners know, outside of NC Fit, I am a therapist. And mm-hmm. so I geek out anytime the word psychology gets thrown around. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? Because Arielle and I almost always say like, with my clients, with her clients, like, it's actually never really about the food. Mm-hmm. So what do you find when we start talking about the psychology of nutrition? I was going to say, I think you should answer this question because I'm not the, I'm not the therapist. Yeah. What I really try to coach people with, because I got, you know, I'm educated and, and learn all about the physiology. I, I am not the mental health coach. And so I try to encourage people that they have to deal with that first. We are not going to make any inroads into macros or optimizing whatever your ratios for performance until we have separated emotions out of the process. And just a short story, I actually worked with a client one-on-one back in the spring. In eight weeks, we made virtually zero progress, which is um, always humbling and frustrating for both of us. And then a couple of weeks ago, four months later, she's uh, she emailed me and let me know that she'd lost 25 pounds in four months. And I said, what happened? Tell me the secret, please. <laughs> and she said, I was able to remove my emotions from the process and focus on data and results. And so I try to really divide eating and emotions. I try to have people, you know, if you know emotions are tied up in eating, we got to deal with the emotions head on. And that is not me, unfortunately. Uh, That's somebody else who's been trained in that. But to just kind of tackle the right tool with the right job and to be clear to yourself about what really is the issue, because otherwise we're just going to be spinning our wheels. So that is super interesting. And I think that this can not where I thought this conversation was going to go, but it's a very interesting question and something I think a lot of us struggle with, especially like the coaches that listen to the show. How did you navigate that conversation? Being able to say, Hey, this is what you need. And it's not me. And that's okay. Like it means nothing about me. And it's like the best thing for you. So what do you think? um, I'm just curious to kind of know your progression through that. Yeah. So to be clear, most of the stuff I run right now is in groups. So I don't actually do a ton of one-on-one screening to start, but when I have done one-on-one and for example, back in the spring, I did, I do pre-screen people and there has been cases where people, you know, here's a case as I had a client who let me know that they wanted to work with me and they always have success when they work one-on-one with a coach. But then as soon as they stop working one-on-one with a coach, they end up gaining a lot of weight back. And we're not talking five pounds. We're talking about significant swings in weight. And I said, I'm, I'm not the one for you. What am I going to say? That's any different, right? Like, I, yeah, I like what I say, but <laughs> I mean, we're going to be eating fruits and veggies, right? <laughs> like, um, I'm not, you know, I'm not coming up with these brand new ideas. And so I, I let that person know, I, I don't, I think this is something that you have to figure out why you want to do this and really why you're not able to stick to it on the own. And I think it's a mental health coach, um, you know, to, to be clear or whatever, I think it helps I think it helps both of us. I can't provide that service. I don't want to work with you, not because I don't want you to have progress, but I can't help you with that progress. And so it only helps both people to be able to have that up front. And so I think definitely one-on-one screening is a, is a great way to go. I also try to, in my advertising for my group stuff, hey, we're learning about nutrition from a clarity perspective. We're taking data on the diet. We're learning how to make changes. I do not advertise as like an emotional eating person. There are people who do that and they, and they're much better than me and people need to go to them. 
Have you noticed anything running group programs as opposed to one-on-one coaching the different dynamics or what, Mm. what the results end up being or the container is like for your clients going through the programs? Yeah. I mean, I try to make it such that they're able to access me in different ways, both messaging as well as kind of a group forum, as well as live calls. And I try to do that to answer the different needs that people have. Um, because I understand nutrition has different kind of sides and, and person personality issues and not issues, but you know what I mean? Just personal discussion topics. Um, I think, and maybe I'm wrong because that's how I run it. I think people like to learn from other people. That's why I continue to do the group stuff. I also think it kind of brings the whole community aspect that we all know works so well in fitness. Like, why does everybody have to learn something from me? Why can't they learn about so-and-so who has a similar issue and they are making progress? Well, how did you make progress? Or, oh, this is hard for you. This is hard for me. So I like that aspect. I think, I think, uh, and actually I just did a talk this weekend. I think people should think about doing group stuff a little bit more in nutrition to kind of build some of that camaraderie and, uh, you know, community outside of just kind of the expert, for example, telling them what to do. I totally agree. I think you were the first person that put that little like spark in my head Mm. about having a group program. And the second I launched mine, it was like my favorite thing. I love my, yeah, I love my one-on-one clients dearly, but that group, like you're saying is so invaluable because they are learning from a collective source of uh, knowledge and experience rather than just me saying like, Hey, here's things that I've got knowledge on and have experience with. Like there's so much more power in that sharing. And I think that the community also gives you more accountability almost because it's Mm. so many more people in your circle that you're like, oh, well, they're going to know if I don't at least try, at least, you know, put my best foot forward here. Um, So I have to thank you for that because you were, I remember having that conversation. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, what, what is your favorite part? Do you think about having a group program versus one-on-one coaching? Mm. Probably just the scale. I mean, I think, you know, and that sounds, gosh, I don't even like the way that sounds, but I I think that where I come from my nutrition point of view is that I think some of the changes we need are quite basic. And it's like, I just, I want people to understand this. And, and so that they're not trying the 72 different diets after they finish my program that now they at least know what the issue is and how to attack it whether they're at their goal or not, that's another story, but at least they know what the problem is and what to do. And I don't know, I just, I, because there's so much madness about there about all the different diets is if I can do that at a faster rate for people, that's, that's exciting to me, you know? Um, so I think that's why I like it. It just sort of feels like, I don't think these changes all need to be done on an individual level. And I feel like I'm able to help people, um, through that at a little bit faster clip. So given that the show is women make waves. I'm really interested on how you, or rather what the path was like creating this footprint that you have in the nutrition world, especially in the space that we work in. Yeah. Like, what was that like? How did, how'd you do it? (laughs) I'm going to get my notebook out. (laughs) No, I was going to say, I don't know if you want these notes. Um, Yeah. I mean, I'm still kind of figuring it out to be perfectly honest. Technically I'm in year four, I guess, three and a half, but the first two years I was looking for work because I started with a business model one-on-one stuff that I didn't want to do. And then I was like, Oh shoot, what do I do? I I don't know what to do. And then I was like, Oh, I sell my education, but that took a while to figure out how to package it. And I still don't think I'm there yet. 
Um, so I would say I've been kind of focused on this more in the last two years, but I do credit all of the connections in the community that I've made over the years. I mean, that's definitely helped my platform overall is to have people with their own established businesses. MC Fit's a great example. Jason welcomed me out to a summit last year and just examples like that, where that's definitely helped um, grow my platform for sure. And I, I wouldn't be there without some of these people who have helped me for and by any stretch of the imagination. I think it speaks volumes to the fact that um, if you show up and you're, you know, your most authentic self and you're like really just trying to help people from a good place, people see that. And that we talk, Lindsay and I talk all the time about how like, it's just all energy. We're all different. We're all vibrating at different frequencies and like people pick up on that information and they pick it. They, they just know, you know, like we just knew that, EC was going to be an amazing like resource for people, you know? And I think that speaks a ton about people in general. And I think that's something that a lot of people can take away from this is if you don't know where to start, like maybe you do want to build a business or maybe it's, you want to go for a new career or you want to just try something new. If you're coming from a place of, um, you know, just like wanting to do better, Mm -hmm. I think it can go a super, super long way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you have to believe in what you're selling. <laughs> you, you better be living it, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm curious too to know, you know, you're, you're like super sound in the nutrition principles that you teach people. And I'm kind of curious to know where that came from mm. um, and maybe how your nutrition journey started. Mm. Um. Yeah, I'll probably have to ask a clarifying question on that second one, but the principles, so I authored these 10 principles of nutrition and, you know, they really kind of, the framework was set during my years at CrossFit, not specifically in terms of nutrition, but when we were running the seminars, we would often get questions from the audience, you know, should I wear lifting shoes or not? And one of the things that we tried to do was always not only just answer the question directly of yes or no, But what was the concept they didn't understand such that they couldn't answer that question themselves? And a lot of times it came back to some of the same kind of repeated things over and over again. And so that that's kind of what I started to think about from a presentation teaching point of view. And then as I was moving into nutrition, I was like, wow, I kind of keep saying these same concepts over and over again. And so that's ultimately what became the principles. It's, hey, let's understand these underlying concepts before we talk about food, before we talk about what your breakfast looks like, before we talk about whether or not you like this type of, I don't know, protein or not. Let's understand the concepts and then we can kind of overlay whatever, whatever diet you pick on, on top of that and see how it works out. So, so that's really where those came from. Now you asked where my nutrition journey began. How, what do you mean? Like for my business, for me personally? So a little bit of both. Cause I think okay. we're kind of an extension of our businesses, but yeah. Like, you know, where did your, um, maybe your desire to teach nutrition? I just want to know where that came from for you. So that's kind of where my question is. Yeah. I kind of wish I knew, um, So my undergrad was in like biochem engineering and my first master's, I did a project that was related to plant genetics. It was uh, looking at markers to help do green remediation of heavy metals out of the ground. Um, I don't know, like I I, I don't actually know why I picked either of those degrees and projects. Um, I liked it. I liked things that were hard. I, I liked doing things that were supposedly hard, I guess. And so that's why I stuck with them and did them. I loved something about biology. Um, 
so that was cool. And then I always liked fitness and CrossFit, you know, got started and I got involved with that. And the nutrition was such an important part. And, you know, to be honest, I started that master's degree in nutrition basically for continuing education requirements for CrossFit. We had stuff to keep us up to date. And I was like, oh, I'll start this degree. And it turns out I liked it and <laughs> kept going. So I don't know that I have this story. A lot of people have these stories that are like, ah, this is what made it, me do it. Or I had a family member that was sick or something like that. That was like a very clear trigger. But I do think it's a good fit overall. I, I seem to like, I like teaching and it's really because I like to make the complex simple. Um, I like taking kind of messy systems. That's what I did with my engineering degree and some of my environmental consulting work. Messy, I guess, is a pun there. But I like taking these big concepts and like, how well do I understand it? What are the big levers? And so for me, it's the challenge in if I make it simple for other people, I probably understand it pretty well. So I think nutrition fits well there. <laughs> Heck yeah. I almost feel like it totally makes sense too, because you you're able in that case, you know, a lot of people have this emotional tie to the thing that they do, mm. um, whatever their profession is. And I think not having as much of an emotional tie to it allows you to really step back and have that unbiased look mm, at all yeah. of the, yeah, all of the angles. And that's just kind of what sparked. Um, that's just what I thought of when you were saying that, because I feel like that is, I mean, Lindsay and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago with unconscious bias and how, you know, you, you can't not bring it into things. And I think if you don't have that emotional, as strong of an emotional tie to something, it makes it so much easier to be able to say, Hey, look, this is the reality check. Like mm. this is the information without taking all of these, um, preconceived notions or whatever your experiences may be in life to, um, while well, that can be helpful sometimes to kind of unmess the mess for lack of a better. Yeah. Term. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about it like that, but it is true. You'll find people who, you know, have their success on their one diet and therefore their diet becomes the only way. And it's like, well, now you have to explain why these 50 other diets are working for other people. And they, they don't seem to reconcile that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's really interesting that you say that too, because when I, so I went through a business coaching course to help me like create the program that I created and that one of the biggest things that we learned, and I think this is really valuable to start, but then like you're saying, it's kind of hard to go from there, but taking your experience and like just talking about what got you to your, where you are. And a lot of people teach that like, Hey, just teach what you learned, like teach what you learned when you did, when you had your transformation or you had your experience. And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck is mm. just teaching that from then on out. Yeah. Um, where like you're saying, then what do you do with all these other people that, you know, aren't going to have that same result? Where do they go from it? Yeah, totally. For sure. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I know that we've talked about, um, taking the emotion out of things. And then here I am a little like, like being of light. Um, I know something because, you know, I don't think any of us, maybe some, I don't want to put a total universal statement, but not many of us get into coaching because we think we're going to make millions and millions of dollars. Like it's just not there. And so I think that there is that emotional level to things. Like we genuinely care about our clients. You can tell when you walk into a gym or a group coaching or one-on-one -on -one coaching, if the vibes aren't right, if the energy isn't there, I have turned around and walked out the door and been like, I will take the next class because I don't. I don't like what's going on here. 
So when you do emotionally invest in your clients and you brought up the, the example of the Mm -hmm. client that just like couldn't remove emotion from the process. And then finally like had that breakthrough and lost the weight. Mm -hmm. What do you do when you run into that moment of like, is my program working? Like, Mm. is this here to help (laughs) this person? And how do, how do you navigate that? That's a great question. I definitely have had that thought more than once of, oh my God, do I even know anything? Um, I think we all do that every day. You're like, wow. (laughs) Like, I think I'm back at square one. (laughs) Yep. I'm the worst coach ever. Why is this (laughs) happening? One of, so uh, you guys probably know him. He's been around the space for a long time. Austin Maliolo out of Boston. And now he works at uh, CrossFit HQ. But um, he always draws a lot of people to him. And he, I remember he, even as a manager, he would always get people who had, let's say outside of the job coming to him about issues. And it's almost like he's a magnet. And I think he's a magnet because he, he tells people the truth. He doesn't tell them what they think they want to hear or what, you know, he thinks they want to hear. And so I think that's where I've, you know, and I think you develop that with confidence in your role and also just confidence in being authentic. But I, I think it's true that like, when you're saying the things out of what you know to be true and what you believe the issues are, I think the person knows, right? I think the person knows that you're coming from a place of care. You're not coming from a place of ego. Um, And so that's how I try to tackle it. It's like, this is the best of my knowledge of what should be going on. Here might be a factor or two to consider besides that. But this is how I know to drive success. And that's also the why I try to have some good pre-screening ahead of time, just because it's like, hey, this is where this is going to go, you know, Um, and, and try to see if we're on the same page. But I think ultimately, yeah, if you kind of just are doing the best of your abilities and they know that, that it tends to go better, in my opinion. Yeah, those are really hard conversations to have. And I love that you just distinctly drew a line between truth and ego. Cause a lot mm-hmm. of times our ego doesn't always want to identify like, oof, like this is what's going on. I know personally, like a lot of times I'll be able to identify what it is. And then I want to chameleon into the coach that can help that problem. Or I mm-hmm. start to do the research. So how do you draw that boundary between like, no, this is what I do. And I'm mm. really good at this. And there's a lot of people that are also really good at maybe what you need more help. Yeah. With. Um, how did you kind of find that boundary and, and set it? Um, I think it was just because it's, it's almost like it comes back to um, like being confident in what your services are. I think sometimes when you start out, you're nervous that you have to have all of the answers. Right. And like, I don't know, you know, I'm not the expert on all of the things or all of the diseases. And so you get worried that I don't know all the answers. And instead it's like, no, I have a really great service. There's lots of people who don't know about basic nutrition habits and that's what I can help you with. And I am not the one to work on, um, mental health or whatever else it might be. How did I draw that boundary? I think just knowing that I wanted them to have a good experience and it's just being true to who you are and being like, I am not the one for that. Like (laughs) if you want me to do the analysis on all the, whether or not collagen is really effective for like younger looking skin. Great. You want to talk about like how to overcome some other emotional issue. I am not it. And so it's just recognizing your strengths and knowing that your strengths have a role somewhere and not trying to be, to be everything to everyone for sure. You're yeah, ultimately, we, again, you'll be more successful and so will they, which, you know, you want overall. Um, yeah, it might be an odd conversation or a difficult conversation, but 
uh, yeah, going back to kind of my Austin example, anytime that you kind of just, I've spoken to my truth or held my boundary, it, it, it's always ended up being better, especially in the long term. Yeah, we did a, um, a practice where we basically vision board or wrote out who our perfect client was, mm. because like you were saying, like not everyone, we're not supposed to serve everyone. And in fact, like, I don't have the bandwidth to serve everyone. And there is a coach out there that is going to serve a certain person better than I can. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you had to, I'm putting you on the spot here. Yeah, if you had to define or explain who your perfect client would be mm-hmm. or what they were coming to you with, what, who is that person? Yeah, it's probably someone who's relatively proactive about their health and nutrition um, and probably somebody who's been spending a good amount of time reading blogs and probably somebody who's also leaning towards a little bit of obsessiveness, anxiety. Basically, I'm describing me circa 2010. I mean, it's, you know, (laughs) maybe that's where my own personal story does come into play in terms of uh, my business, maybe not so much in the methods, but the clients. And it's like, yeah, I was the person who would need a banana and, you know, making sure that I didn't have a single additive ever in any food anywhere, right? And just getting very like health anxious. It's, It's what I've called the worried well. So it's, yeah, it's, it's probably that person, you know, the, the exerciser doing all the things kind of type a personality and almost to pull them back and be like, calm down. Um, but yeah, anybody kind of in that proactive space who feels like they're spinning their wheels though, too. And, and why do I say proactive? I, I don't mean, uh, I, what I mean in that sense is that they've probably already decided to that nutrition is up to them. Right. And that they're ready to deal with it kind of in a group environment. Um, because again, the group environment is, is not for everybody and it's not going to be successful for everyone. So that's what I mean with that. The worried. Well, Oh my gosh. I feel like that. I know it resonates with me and I know bloom well enough that that definitely resonates with her. Um, I, you know, bloom and I talked about this a while back, like when we first kind of started our understandings of nutrition, of course it started with self, right? I was like, I'm really sick and I don't know why. Um, but there's some sort of intuitive part of me that's telling me a medication is not what's going to save it. I need to make Mm -hmm. a functional change. Um, and to go back to what I was saying earlier, you can go into analysis paralysis. There's so much out there. Um, so while you circa 2010, while you're ingesting all of the blogs and all of the knowledge, cause there is so much out there. Um, how did you start making those really big complex ideas simple? How mm-hmm. did you kind of find a path where you're like, okay, this is sustainable. This is not going to keep me in this like spinning out place because I think that resonates with a lot of our listeners. I know it resonates with me. I still go through it quite often. Um, where do you start? How did you address that? Yeah. I mean, I guess now we're actually going to answer why I started my business bloom. We're finally getting it to it. I guess we're uncovering it on this call, but basically I didn't, I continued to be relatively uh, stringent and in my beliefs. And I eventually went on for a master's degree and really dug into the research and saw that a lot of it was junk science. So I don't think that everybody needs to do that. And so that's what I'm, I'm trying to offer this space is, is kind of, Hey, like this is what I've learned over the years. And I have gone on to you know, get some credentials in this space. And so I can speak to this a little bit more um, with some authority, I guess, but to shorten that process for other people, uh, right? Uh, Because that's ultimately what it did. I mean, there was many years there where it was, you know, doing all the tests and taking all the different supplements and all these unproven diagnoses. And yeah, and I did it all just because it's like, well, you know, even if it gets a little better or whatever it is. 
And so, yeah, I, I prefer that people don't go through all of that. We finally got to it. Yeah, there <laughs> it, it is. That's the I guess it is a, a transformation. That's the therapist. Thing. Like, just yeah. tell me more. Uh, right. How do you right. feel about that? Right. <laughs> so junk science like raised all of these big flags for me and yeah. putting you on, on, on the call again. Um, what was some of the big junk science things that you ran into and what are some things that you would love to debunk for people setting, setting voyage on this nutrition journey? Yeah. I think one of the big ideas I see all the time, and it kind of comes back to the worried well, it's this idea that there's some level of optimization to be had once you're well. Once you're well, there is no optimizing well. There is no one more percent better every day. If you're, all your markers are well, um, if you have a healthy weight, if you're eating relatively healthy food, there is no more better to gain. <laughs> it's not like having a fasting glucose of 90 two is better than having a fasting glucose of 94. Like those ranges are set because that is what best predicts minimal disease risk. And there's variation going to be in there. But I think there's this idea that now there's more health to be had and there just isn't after a certain point. And I think, um, so that's some of the, where I'm not going to speak against all of them, but that's where a lot of the biohacking stuff comes into play. And what's so problematic about this idea of optimizing. Well, like, what are your standards to say that you've gotten better? Like this idea that, oh, well, I just feel better because now I'm doing continuous glucose monitoring. It's like, what? Like, how do you know that that's just not a placebo effect? How do you know you just didn't sleep more last night? How do you know that you, I don't know, did some more meditation during the day? There's no real, like this feeling better idea really is problematic. Why we have diseases and diagnoses is so then we can actually somehow show improvement or changes. But if you're otherwise healthy, how do we show an improvement or change? And so a lot of this stuff gets like, well, I tried this X thing, let's just say supplement, and I feel better. And it's like, based on what? <laughs> based on what, you know? And I like that people get improvements, so to speak. But I think sometimes that we think we have this improvement when in reality, it's just like, we think we're doing something and therefore we feel better about it. Yeah. I think the placebo can be super powerful because like, if you're not feeling well and you take whatever supplement it is and you start feeling well, okay, great. Whether or not it's a supplement, that's fine. But I think at a certain point it totally comes down to, and I'm speaking from experience here, like constantly searching for not feeling good so that you can find something to make you feel better. And I think we, a lot of us can get stuck, you know, in that cycle. And that's why I love um, the method that you teach and what you just the information that you put out because you make it so much simpler. And I think it gives people permission to, to say, you know what, maybe this like is getting to be too much. Like maybe there's just, I'm just looking for a problem and I'm creating a problem out of nothing. And that I think is, that could be really powerful for people. No, you're right. Like if people have true problems and they can affect, I don't care if it's placebo, like game on, that's awesome. The problem is in this worried well space is we end up having these negative neuroses with all of this stuff. Like you're saying, it's like, you're constantly in the cycle of gutting more tests and it's like, nothing's wrong with you, you know, or 
it's another mask, in my opinion, for some other issue going on. Maybe it's a relationship issue. Maybe it's something with your family. And instead you're taking it out on the fact that you ate a potato at lunch. And it's like, okay, that, that's not it. Like you're feeling off because your boss was unhappy with you today, not because you have some odd allergic reaction to some food you just ate. So I think we put a lot of our emotions and expectations in food. And like you said, if there's a positive effect, great. But especially in this kind of worried well collection, I see it go the neuroses way, which is, is not good at all. Heck yeah. And then the other big piece of it is like, we're talking in terms of people that are already eating a full variety of produce and they're eating high quality sources of food. At that point, if there's other problems, there's probably something else that needs to be addressed hundred mm-hmm. percent. I think where a lot of people get stuck is they think that the supplement or the biohack is going to fix something that where their diet really is, is the issue. Like if you're eating a ton of processed foods, a ton of packaged foods, then going to do an ice plunge isn't going to help you, you know, like it's not going to do what you want it to do because that's not where the problem lies. Right. Right. Totally. That I think is a really tough conversation to have with some people. And I'm curious to know your thoughts and maybe how you would, um, navigate that conversation. But you know, what do you do when someone comes to you and they're like, well, I think, and that maybe it's different because you call in a different clientele than this, but I would, I would like to know how you would kind of handle that conversation around, Hey, that's actually not where you should be spending time and energy right now. This is the smaller thing is actually going to make the biggest difference. Yeah. I guess some of it is with the education and the science, you know, it's like, yeah, we can go look up stuff on cold plunging. I mean, the data is not there for the outcome you want. The data is there for decreasing calories and eating fruits and vegetables. Um, so some of that's there. Some of it though, too, if people are really interested in doing something with their nutrition or health, I actually don't try to convince very much. Now, if you're signing up for my group program, I'm assuming you're interested in trying it my way. So I, I kind of get that out of the way a little bit. But for the most part, if people are really stoked on doing some extreme diet, like, okay, well, let me know how it goes. And if you want my opinion at some point, I'll be here, you know, um, and that's sort of more of my approach that if you really want to do all these things that I think are superfluous and you're not asking my opinion, well, I'll, I'll be here when you want to know what I think about them. <laughs> I love this, like, and it's a recurring, I think, theme throughout this whole conversation, but this just dedication to being true to you. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really empowering to hear because we, like Lindsay said, like, we just, we want to help people, you know, and it can be really hard to be like, you have to figure it out on your own. You know, like Lindsay and I talk a ton about personal responsibility and a ton about how as much as we want to help, we can't fix a problem if you're not willing to take responsibility for whatever the reason for the problem is. And I think those two things go really, really strongly. And it's been a big, um, theme throughout this conversation is just, you know, you're the one who's going to empower them to have the education. Um, but like people need to take responsibility for their health. Yeah. And like, I really do view nutrition differently than fitness. Um, you know, you can't outsource nutrition. You can get huge results as you all know, in fitness in an hour or less per day, like great. You can get really fit, but I'm not with you at every party. I'm not with you at every meal. And nutrition is something that we literally need to do multiple times a day. And it's for 99% of us, you know, the foods within reach to our kitchen or our desk or something like that. So like, I, like there is so much more 
effect of nutrition throughout our lives that, yeah, it's not something that you can just get somebody else to kind of do and monitor. I mean, I guess maybe the wealthiest of the wealthy can have their personal chef, right? But <laughs> at all times and fly with them on planes. But this is something that you do have to navigate yourself if you are going to make progress there. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that's a whole part of my approach to this. It's like, when you're ready, game on, I want to help you. And we have to get you there and interested and ready to take that level or take that uh, leap for that responsibility for sure. Yeah. Okay. Switching gears just a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to know where the number for the 800 grams came from for the 800 gram challenge. Yeah. So as I was finishing my master's in 2017, I was playing around with a couple different diet ideas. Like how do you measure quality in the diet? Um, you know, if somebody says they eat pretty clean. And so I was actually trying a couple different methods and I happened to come across a study for some paper project I was doing, and it was looking at fruit and vegetable consumption relative to health outcomes. And the lead author is Un A U N E, if that's how you say it, in the International Journal of Epidemiology that summer. And so what they found was that when people ate 800 grams of fruits and vegetables per day, they had a decreased risk of, let's see, stroke, cardiovascular disease, all-cause mortality. Cancer risk actually went down at 600, but still risk stayed down at 800. So with this background of like, I was already playing with diet ideas. And then I saw that I was like, that's interesting. What about if I try to eat 800 grams of fruits and vegetables each day and see what happens. And so, you know, ultimately I've kind of put some rules around it. Like I chose what counts and doesn't, which doesn't necessarily align with what they had in their study. And I compared it to other stuff and I, you know, do beans count, do olives count? Uh, but I played with it for six months um, to take data on it. What does it look like? What does it mean? I made <laughs> Nicole Christensen, owner of CrossFit Roots, because she's smaller than I am. I was like, you got to do this. <laughs> you know, like, tell me about it. And so that's ultimately where it came from that study. But then after about six months of kind of trying it and what did I think about it is, is when I kind of launched it as a diet idea. Because as you know, if you launch a diet idea, you have to know all of the rules around what counts and how it works. So that, that came uh, kind of six months or so after the original idea. Yeah. So what so are some of the things that, what are some of the things that count and that don't mm. count? Just in case people yeah, I mean, hear this and are like, I want to do this. Yeah. I mean, I think the obvious ones, apples, broccoli, cantaloupe, of course they all count, but then I allow potatoes to count beans to count, um, avocado to count corn counts, um, any type of yam counts, all fruit counts. So all of that stuff is there, even canned food counts. So long as you drain it and you can weigh it cooked, canned, frozen or fresh. So I think people forget how much flexibility there can be with it. Um, stuff that doesn't count would be like dried anything people dried fruit doesn't count dried veggie chips don't count um popcorn <laughs> doesn't count um juices don't count so as soon as we start processing stuff a lot of times we we change the water weight or we might remove the fiber and some of that is exactly why whole fresh whole fruits and vegetables are so powerful they fill us up they keep us full and so that's why a lot of these processed derivatives do not count your fruit juice does not no, count. It does not. <laughs> God, if you take nothing from this podcast, but to not do a damn juice cleanse, like I will be yeah. happy. Totally. Yeah, good point. Cleanses. Oh man, you see, this has been so awesome. If people listening to the show are like, I am ready to hop on to this group coaching. I want to see more of what is going on. Where can people find you? How do they get a hold of you? 
yeah, it's just optimizemenutrition.com for the website, um, optimize me nutrition on social media handles. And then the consistency project as my podcast. Hell yeah. We will link all the ways to get a hold of you in the show notes. EC, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thank you.